0: You sent in the wolf? Shit! That's all you had to say! Get away from her, you bitch! Banana! Banana! Aristotle was not Belgian!
1: Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. Interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Sending the Wolf podcast. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me. If you can't hear it in my voice, yes, I am sick again and I am not happy about it considering that I was just under the weather for an extended period of time at Christmas and it does not seem fair, but here we are. Um, So I am going to keep this intro short and sweet. Today my guest is Chelsea Rebecca. Chelsea is half of the Dead Meat podcast. You can find Dead Meat on YouTube. You can find it wherever you hear podcasts in your ears like this one. Um, And uh, Chelsea and I actually did a panel together at LA Comic Con last year. That was the first time that we had met. And um, the topic was zombies. And she and I immediately hit it off. But I also really, um, I really enjoyed her opinions. We shared a lot of opinions. I loved listening to her talk more about horror. Um, It's always fun to find another lady in that space who's like, the analysis the same way that I do, um, but and and much to my surprise, but also to my excitement, Chelsea did not pick a horror movie for today's show. She picked This Is Spinal Tap, Rob Reiner's comedy classic that basically invented the mockumentary subgenre. Um, and I'm so glad that she did. That she is sort of one in a line, in a handful of people over the last couple of episodes, who are mostly known for one thing or one genre, who have picked films that are outside that thing or that genre. And I love that because it gives people an opportunity to share something about themselves or insight about themselves and into themselves that maybe they don't get asked about or they don't get the opportunity to do as frequently as they might like. Um, it's part of the reason why I started this podcast in the first place. So uh, as I said, because I'm a little under the weather, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Here we are, Chelsea, Rebecca, talking about This is Spinal Tap. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the one where isn't it like the menu is the logo gets too small yes. and they talk over the menu. The whole yes, time. that is the one. Yep. And
0: it's so fun sometimes for this podcast. Um People will pick whatever movies, um, and and I will kind of go, like, have to go through my filing cabinet in my brain and be like, do I own that movie? Yeah. And, and then I pull out my giant binder of DVDs, mm-hmm. but they're, like, old school DVDs. They're not, like, some of them are even in full screen. Yeah. I, even when I was younger, I always bought widescreen, okay? So don't at me. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, but yeah, I, I, so it's like old school DVDs that I still have. Yeah, yes. I have a
1: whole binder of them, and most of those I have other copies of now on Blu-ray, but I just can't bring myself to get rid of any of them. No, and I
0: feel like, you know, there's, there's only... I, I suppose when, uh, one day when I'm very successful and very wealthy, I will rebuy all of my favorite things on Blu-ray. But for now, I'm kind of like, I can't afford to rebuy all this. It's expensive. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. like, it, it kind of, like, and it works in the Blu-ray player, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, man, and some of those DVDs that I have, like, will probably never be released on Blu-ray. You know what I mean? yeah. Like, it's certain titles where you're like, that's not happening.
1: There's so many horror movies that we end up getting that we have to get the DVD, sometimes off eBay, and we know, we always check... And we all, my boyfriend and I, always bet: is it gonna have closed captions or not? Most of the time, no. Oh wow! Because <laughs> it's just a, a very low budget, like DVD. It goes right to the movie. We don't have a menu. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Does um,
0: does does he is he like a big collector too? Oh yeah, or? yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just um, so I just did this podcast um, or was a guest on a podcast for Shutter called She Kills.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With like Adrian Barbo yes. and oh, I'm
0: yes, so jealous. And, <laughs> That's so um, cool. It was very fun. Um, but this one movie, uh, The Possession, with Barbara mm-hmm. Hershey, kept coming up, and I the, all these Barbara Crampton brought it up, and then uh, Blair Bercy brought it up. She was the producer on the pod, and uh, I was, and then I was listening to an episode I wasn't even on, but great. Drake brought it up. And I have been trying to find this movie. It's not like it's one of those things where you have to either buy it on yeah. you know, on um, eBay or it's not on digital anywhere but just like two weeks ago uh, I think it was Shout Factory announced that they're doing
1: it. Oh man they do such a good job with yeah. those. Yeah, so That was, and Arrow is good to, to look was. for. I can't remember if it was Shout Factory or if it was Arrow yeah. but
0: it is definitely, it might have actually been Arrow but it is definitely coming
1: to Blu-ray. Yay good. So I, I have to excited. see that one because I I always mix up with the entity, which I have seen. I know oh the entity. Oh my god, that's what
0: I'm talking about. I'm sorry, I said the possession, and I'm like space cadet. I meant the entity. Oh yeah, yes, I, that's I I what totally I
1: believe that. That's a weird one to find because it's no, I like no one's heard of it. Like yeah. I saw it in college. i had never heard of it and was like, what the
0: fuck yeah. is Yeah. Never, I honestly had never heard of yes the entity correcting myself. Um, I had never heard of it until Barbara and Blair brought it up on this podcast. And then when they were like, "Oh, it's this great story about like is, is she a mother or like single woman or something?" I think it's
1: yeah. When like, you when you explain the plot at face value, it sounds really dumb, but then it's terrifying because essentially yeah. it's a woman being sexually assaulted by her house, which sounds really silly, but it's so scary.
0: Yeah, I mean so many women this movie resonated mm-hmm. with. So I certainly, and considering Barbara Hershey's career and like what she's decided to be in and what she hasn't decided to be in, I really wanted to see it. And I did a search and yeah, I couldn't find it. So I was
1: very yeah. Happy. Now I'm trying to think of what The Possession is because that's also a thing. Yes,
0: The Possession. So The Possession is Elric Kane's like favorite movie. Or that's just Possession, I
1: think. Okay. And it's his
0: favorite movie. I'm look, looking it up right now. Uh, but it's a movie that is not for everyone.
1: I know that. Oh, that he, means I'll like it. He
0: gets, like, so much shade for that being his favorite movie, but okay. That
1: makes me want to watch it more. Oh, if, and it, if I need, like, a, a preface to any movie that's like, uh, this one's a little, like, no, 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 I'm, I, that's what I want to watch. And
0: so Sam Neill is in it. So, okay, great. Yeah, yeah so I'm on board. It, yeah, That sounds great. Yeah, he loves it. It's, um. oh, and it's got, like, an 85% on Rotten okay. Tomatoes. Okay. So that's pretty good. But uh, then why I wonder why it's so controversial. Like, I wonder why people give him he- shit for not liking it.
1: I to go watch it. No I've I invited
0: it. Elric on my pod before and he said he would but then he got busy and so mm. I'll, I'll ask him one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll ask him one day. But anyway, yeah. so I'm so glad that, um, that you were here and I'm so glad you picked Spinal Tap. Yeah. Um, because I've had a lot of people over the last couple of episodes, specifically like people who are known in the horror world, picking movies that are off brand for them, mm-hmm. and and I I really like that because they you know like in our jobs as personalities or writers or hosts or directors or whatever it is, we we talk so much about the thing that we do, but we never really get asked about our other interests, and you know that's actually part of the reason why I started this podcast because I I sort of felt like I was getting known for only a certain type of content or a certain type of genre. And while, yes, I, of course, loved, love horror and science fiction and fantasy, I um, I was like, well, I like all movies too, you know? And so that's why I started this show, to have a little bit more of an expansion. So I'm really glad that you picked Spinal Tap.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I definitely wanted to pick not a horror film. Not that I, you know, like you just said, I love talking about horror. I do it every week on my show, but it's fun to just get to to branch out a tiny bit you know yeah.
0: well and that's um you and i met each other on a panel at um that was the first time we met that right? was la com yeah it was. at la mm-hmm. comic-con and it was a zombie panel mm-hmm. which was so fun and it was so great to um have another lady on the panel of mm-hmm. course and in the horror space um but spinal tap this is great so it's your did i see on twitter that you said this was your favorite movie
1: no oh, uh, actually okay so i know you have a segment on the show show where you say the list that I picked from what I think should be on it the thing I think should be on it is my favorite movie but Spinal Tap is Ah. in my top I think it's one of the best comedies period for me at least that's subjective but I yeah it's definitely one of my favorite comedies for sure I know so much of it by heart I've seen it so many times the fact that we were just talking about how well we know the DVD menu. like Yes, yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's, it goes deep. It mm-hmm. goes deep. Well, so when was the first time? I like to ask people. I know it's kind of like a generic question, but I think it, it's important when the first time you saw this movie was or like what your first yeah. exposure to Spinal Tap was because this is a movie that is in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like it is everywhere.
1: I definitely know... I would say maybe middle school or early high school. I know that I saw it before I ever had seen it referenced places, oh, if that makes sense. yeah. Because, sure. you know, I think maybe now more so as an adult, you just there's movies where you haven't seen them, but you know that things are references yes. to them. And so then you go watch the movie. And it's like, OK, that makes sense. Now, this is one where I had definitely seen it before I had seen it. I was young enough. I don't even remember the first time I saw it. I just I feel like I've always known it. it. Yeah,
0: was was it? Do you remember um, if anybody in your life kind of was like showed it to you? Oh,
1: my mom. Your mom did. (laughs) Oh yeah.
0: Is that such a crazy? So. That's really interesting to me because so I just had a a girlfriend on Holly Payne, and she chose Mommy Dearest. Oh, yes. Her mother like showed her, took her to see Mommy Dearest in the theater, and so much. But it's usually it's not the usually the gatekeepers in people that I talk to aren't really their moms Mm. into like the pop culture and to film and stuff.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's totally this this cultural image of the dad being the the guy who he still keeps all of his toys and records and shit from when he's younger and he's the one who's gonna get the kids into cool stuff and maybe mom is like oh you you know maybe she turns the other cheek and watches it happen and you know the dad and the boys or something but so it's it is yeah that's interesting I've never thought about that but I feel like for so many things it was my mom who is kind of the Person who introduced me, so like I'm thinking even like Monty Python, classic rock for sure. Like she's the one who was into all of that. So
0: is she stuff. like? A, is she a cinephile? Is she? Yes. Uh,
1: Both okay. of my parents are big. Yeah, movie fans. I. I, to this day, one of my greatest accomplishments was beating her in Trivial Pursuit. That oh. was, like, such a family thing growing up. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's
0: impressive. Yeah, <laughs> But do they work in any sort of creative yep. industry?
1: No. <laughs> yeah, <they just laughs> she, I mean, my dad growing up, so when I was a kid, my dad was a Tinsmith because like, I'm from Michigan, so I, everyone works in cars. Um, yeah. I'm from Metro Detroit, so that's what everyone does. So he was a Tinsmith. Later, he became a union guy, so he worked for UAW and, okay. um, until he retired. And then my mom um, like on and off, was an attorney. She was going to law school when I was a kid. Okay. So, but then she mostly kind of became stay at home while we were in school and stuff. Gotcha. So neither of them are nope not into. But it, it's weird. All my family members, even like my aunts and uncles, are all just big movie freaks. And like I last time I went home, my aunt recommended uh, the movie Dog Tooth. Wouldn't that be a fun? And I was just it was great because I loved it. Wow. But I was like only my family would this be a completely normal movie to recommend to your niece like go wow. oh, watch this it's great you that's know? a deep cut like right. that's like not and I was like okay I've been meaning to watch it but my aunt likes it let's see and that is so funny. I loved it but that's such a fucked up movie my mom said to me
0: on the phone today she was like have you seen us Jordan Peele's movie us yet and mm. I was like oh not yet no and she goes I really want to see that one and I was like My mom, first of all, knows who Jordan Peele is. Uh My mom also wants to go see, and she goes, oh, your dad's not going to like it, so I'm going to have to wait until I can watch it at home. Mm -hmm. But I really want to see it. And I was just like, and and granted, this was not super shocking. My mom really likes, you know, she loves Tim Burton. She likes Mm -hmm. fantasy. She likes science fiction. She's fine with some horror. Um, But... uh, but I just of all things, I was not expecting her to bring up us. Yeah. So that was like okay, mom.
1: Yeah, my mom. Both of my, I think maybe my dad uh, likes horror a little bit more than my mom, but he likes more old school stuff. Like okay. he always says Invasion of the Bonnie Snatchers, the original scariest movie of all yes. time. Um, Which it, it's great, but it's just such a, a, a dude his age is like opinion of scariest movie yes but my mom is not a horror fan like capital and really not a horror fan so she sort of she likes like rock music and
0: comedy but yeah violent
1: stuff no stuff that's gory or violent like when i was a kid i couldn't watch violent stuff so i didn't get into horror until i was a bit older but anything with like nudity or if it was raunchy that was fine huh yeah
0: and does what does she think of your endeavor like your professional oh she
1: loves it yeah yeah, yeah. she's very happy she she's you know excited that I'm doing something creative and you know I'm it, it's a job where I can be proud of what I'm doing and she always is like you're not making money exploiting other people and that, that's really nice and in today's world I'm like yeah that's fair that's that <laughs> is one that's one way to put it yeah she's not wrong yeah so that's good about, yeah both my parents have always been really encouraging of like you know me and my sister getting into art and wanting to pursue things like that you know that's often other parents maybe think that that's not a useful field to go into or something where you won't be able to find a stable income. but Yeah.
0: yeah. I find that my parents, you know, like I I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, but my mom told me that she didn't know that um, political science was a thing you could study in school. And if it was, she would have like majored in it and moved to Washington, D.C. and worked in government and Uh policy. And I was like, but she's a physical therapist. Uh And I was like, huh, that's so interesting. And then my dad was an athlete and wanted to be a professional football player and played in the CFL. For like half a season, so his, you know, his uh ass dreams were kind of came to a close. Yeah. Um. But they, they both, I think. Even they have these streaks in them, you mm-hmm. know. Like my mom's always been very open to watching kooky, weird stuff, and my dad, you know, loves pop culture. He loves comedy. He loves this kind of like old school. When I say old school, I somebody might be like, "Oh, Clark, this was the '80s." Yeah, but like, <laughs> I mean, the Mel Brooks of it all. Mm-hmm. But Mel Brooks going back to like Sid Caesar, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like not and 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 beyond. Um, and of course, you know, Princess Bride and and the Rob Reiner '80s. Type mm-hmm. of things, but um, yeah. My first, exp- you know, it's funny. My first exposure to Spinal Tap was um, uh, through like clip shows. And, oh, weird. Okay. Yeah, and like reading. Um, you know, I've I've had a subs- I had a subscription to Entertainment Weekly since I was like 11 uh-huh. years old. You know? <laughs> so like reading about retrospectives and comedy and pop culture and. You know, I Love the 80s was a series that... The oh my gosh, like, you, you know brought I that up, up on the
1: episode of yours I just listened to, which is so funny. Yeah. I you you were like, I don't know if anyone knows what I'm talking about. It's like, I know what you're talking about. I'm screaming to no one as I'm yes, getting ready to come in But here. it's like, it,
0: that's where I first remember hearing about Amadeus. Yeah. Because I was, a, I was too young when it came out. And mm. that, is a, that is a movie that is not for the uh, casual viewer,
1: yeah. Do you know
0: what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not... And, and even though that's a movie, I just mean that, you know, you don't flip on Amadeus, you know, in... in
1: oh, it's three hours eggs- long. Yeah. Like, yeah, especially that... Yeah, because the director's cut is what you've got. I don't... Yeah, you can't really... It might be an option on the, the DVD to watch the theatrical, but, like, just watch the Yeah, just cut. watch it. Yeah, it's weird. That was one, yeah, I think my... Mom might have watched with me when I was pretty young. Um, I loved that movie. Wow. Yeah. That's I it's, don't know like that's such a weird movie for a kid to be into, but it's it it looks awesome, and I don't know. He's making fart jokes and stuff that whole time. I you know, and he's laughing <laughs> yeah. a lot. And I would imagine that as a kid, when you're seeing this
0: essentially like clown man, yeah, you know, he's got just a big like, pink wig on, exactly, him. <laughs> like giggling mm-hmm. and dancing around. I could totally see like a kid being like, "What is happening?" This yeah. is magic. Um but yeah, it's it's funny. You know, there's some like the whole series of I love the '70s, I love the '80s, and I love the '90s, like. That definitely, um, for a pop culture, an interest in pop culture, it's a really nice, like, random overview. Yeah. And there were a lot of movies that I kind of dove into a little deeper as a result of going, oh, like, if I remember specifically Fletch. Uh, okay, was, a, yeah. was a movie that I saw on on I Love the Eighties, and I was like, I need to watch this movie. Uh-huh. And so I watched Fletch. You know, yeah. nobody was showing me that. But that's it's funny because I ask people about their gatekeepers and like who introduced them to what because I was the t- and it, I was the type of kid where if I would read about something or I would hear about something, or hear my cousins, older cousins talking about something, I'd want to know about Mm -hmm. it. And I'd want to see it, and I'd want to read about it. And then that would inevitably lead me to something else, and something else. And so um, I don't know if kids do that anymore. I don't know if people do that anymore. But like, while yes, I had my dad showing me like the Rob Reiner comedies, and Mel Brooks comedies, and things like that, you know, when it came to more nitty gritty stuff, my dad wasn't showing me like, you know he wasn't showing me that
1: yeah like I love the 70s is how I know the whole theme song to convoy like why do I know that it's just stuck in my head forever like I'm never gonna get rid of it I've referenced it on the podcast before because we did a maximum overdrive episode and I sang the song and my boyfriend is like what are you like he had no idea what I was talking about but yeah like I don't know where else I would have Found that right. That was such a good show to yeah watch as a young person who was super into just the random yeah like just trivia of pop yeah, culture for, for sure. For sure.
0: So with *Spinal Tap*, um, you know this is I I think this movie is so impressive and it's easy. There are a handful of movies that either create a genre or create a style of movie making, and then. When you watch the original, you're like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah. You know? Um, but when really it was like the first one, it was the one who invented it. But Spinal Tap is one that I feel like absolutely stands the test of time. Yeah. Um, and even if you're and if you're a comedy, if you're just a fan of comedy, if you have a good sense of humor, the writing, the jokes are so It's so good. Like so smart. Yeah. That, you know, it's and I and I actually think it's really cool that this movie was made and set in the time that it was made and set in. Because I could see now... Somebody, you know, nostalgia is always like such a thing. Mm -hmm. I can see now somebody putting on like spandex pants and being like, we're going to make We're going to
1: make about a band that existed. Yeah. Exactly. Like a parody of that Rush documentary or something, you know, where it's. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I like that these guys were actually living in it. Like Mm -hmm. they were actually like doing something contemporary. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's so true. And I think maybe it holds up so well because there's not any specific parody I can think of that's like it. Yes. It's in such a category of one and it's so specific. And I think a reason I loved it so much was because I did grow up loving classic rock and even some of those like old um, like documentaries like Gimme Shelter is great. But like Pink Floyd Live at Pompeii is I feel like like having that kind of touchstone is what makes this movie extra funny, like just a little extra push of funny because those are like especially yeah like pink floyd and stuff like that it's it's the stonehenge scene but it's a whole concert movie and it's for serious yes
0: (laughs) yes that's right well yeah so did you um did you see the movie pop star no but i need to i
1: know i know i would love it (coughs) but never stop never stop yes
0: so i have to tell you um when I was, I've seen Spinal Tap a thousand times, like mm-hmm. I've seen this movie a million times, but when I was re-watching Spinal Tap, I truly believe that the only other, and this is high praise for Pop star but I really think that Popstar is on the level of Spinal Tap. Oh man, but I gotta it, watch it. But it couldn't have come before Spinal Tap, you know right. what I mean? Like, so it, it clearly builds on what Spinal Tap has made, but um, to your point, like about how the Pink Floyd and the Stonehenge scene, Yeah. Thing, uh, so I saw, so in Spinal Tap, there's a song, it opens, or I'm sorry. In Popstar, there's a song that opens the movie, and it's called uh, "I'm So Humble," and it's uh, it's Connor for real, played by Andy Samberg with uh, Adam Levine, like singing, the, <laughs> you know, singing the bonus or whatever. But it's all about how great he is, but also how humble he is. Mm-hmm. And I swear to you, like maybe six weeks, maybe a couple of months after I saw Popstar, um, Kendrick Lamar released a song that was <laughs> that was. <laughs> I am so humble. And I was just like, wow. And, and I actually did the set visit for Popstar and they were saying like, they would write gags into the movie just to be funny. And as they were shooting somebody in the music industry would do them.
1: And I've heard those stories about Spinal Tap too. Yeah, for sure. Cause that movie, I think Spinal Tap, one, a lot of people just thought it was real (laughs) after it came out (laughs) and then i know a lot of rock stars have watched it and they're like they either think it's so funny because it's so real or they think it is not a comedy because it's too real right yeah i think um i was looking at the wikipedia today i think steven tyler watched it and was like this is not funny (laughs) this is a tragedy oh my god
0: well i i also noticed this time around um the uh the thamesman stuff
1: yes oh my god
0: that stuff
1: it's so I, I funny. sing the Tenzman song <laughs> all the time to my boyfriend. And I would sing that growing up too, like my mom and I would always sing it. They gave me some money. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's, that's such like a uh, that little clip that they show kills me every single time. Because you have the drummer who's at Begley Jr. <laughs> just showing up for a second, and he looks like a little bobblehead yes. sitting back there. Yes. And then Michael McKean is just killing it. He's like, man, I I notice different things every time I watch it. And I think it's like such an ensemble movie. It's like maybe you don't think of it as an ensemble at first because you have kind of these three very clear main characters. But everyone in that is so important to making it work. But like Michael McKean is just so
0: good. I I mean, he I will say this. I I wrote down um, I wrote down that. They actually look like they could be rock stars. Yeah, you know, like they're like he, Michael McKean specifically is is pretty enough under all of that hair. Yeah, they to, look perfect. Yeah, like they really do. And Harry sheer... he
1: looks like a bass. He really
0: does. He's <laughs> yeah. weird enough. And yeah. then of course, like Christopher Guest is so perfect in his like dum dum. Yeah. Like, but he's just the they. You know, I will say that. You know, to use the pop star comparison, like Andy Sandberg kind of could pass for this type of a of a, yeah. you know, a star. But these guys like actually like I buy it. You do buy it. Yeah. You know?
1: It blew my mind when I was a kid watching First watching Spinal Tap and having that be my favorite ever, and then then watching Best in Show when I was a little older and realizing, oh my god, the guy with the bloodhound is Nigel Tufnel. Yes, that like war, like I couldn't handle that. Even though, yeah, he's clearly older in that. Just in my head, Nigel Tufnel feels so real. They all feel like real people to me. Even the the many drummers, but like the one you see the most prominently the guy he's interviewing in the bathtub and then the keyboardist viv who is like for killed me this time around for some reason i kept noticing him and he is so funny but they just feel like they're real people and you feel so hard for them
0: yes and i well and also all the um you know all the music is so great
1: it's so good it's it's legitimately good music and they i mean i think they you know they played a ton, even together before they made that movie, and they're clearly all really talented musicians. And that's another thing that I think I could see too the the pop star comparison because like Lonely Island, they make music and they're good at it. You know, yeah, I think that, that is huge. <laughs> that
0: soundtrack, the both for Vinyl Tap and Pop Star, the Pop Star stuff is just like I will. I will be humming it. I will walk around, you know, just be running errands, yeah, and I'll be singing the Mona Lisa song <laughs> or, or whatever. And it's, but it's, yeah, it really like these guys, both both films really did write and record great pop rock music, yeah, and um and that makes a difference, you know, because like I remember in uh this is not not at all on the same level, but um in uh, have you ever seen the movie Just Friends? Yes, with Ryan Reynolds and Anna Faris
1: yes, and Amy Smart. It's so funny that movie such a point of contention among like my group of friends because my one one of my best friends' wives loves that movie and they gotta watch it every year on Christmas yes. and he hates oh it. Oh my so god! Much. Yes, I love that you're bringing this I, specific movie. I them.
0: will say <laughs> that I watched it with some friends two Christmases ago. And some of it's still funny because Ryan Reynolds is just charm. He I yeah. mean, cannot, I, he's just watchable. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anna Faris is mm-hmm. really funny. Uh, but some of that stuff in that movie, like that is a 2006, 2008 Man.
1: comedy. Like, that era of comedy is like early 2000s. Woof. It's, <laughs> it's rough. Yes. Yeah. And some of it you're just like. Yeah. this is
0: not like wow this would not make it into a movie now yes
1: I got so for Christmas my my boyfriend got me Reno 911 like the whole oh, series yes. on DVDs so I'm like awesome which I it's still so funny I think it's it's one of the best TV comedies ever but then there's some of that where you're like wow this was made in the early 2000s holy shit yes. I mean yes but I bring it up because
0: um, Anna Ferris plays like a pop star mm-hmm. and uh, you know she's she's it's a joke obviously but it leans so far into the comedy that like you don't ever really buy that she's a pop star even yeah. though she's a gorgeous woman mm-hmm. and she looks like she could be a Britney Spears type or whatever
1: but it's too much of a cartoon yeah exactly yeah. like it leans and
0: so I, I I bring it up because I think that these that movies that are Parodying or having a laugh on the music industry, like mm-hmm. you know, the things that I think set them apart are artists can be and or can include the actual music. Like mm-hmm. if you actually have great songs, yeah, that are yeah, yeah.
1: I I have to believe that this band at some point was huge, and you know, to be to be a you know, a really big metal era rock band around that time, you have to be a good musician. It's, it's good. You know, like it's, it takes a lot of of talent and I'm not a musician at all. So talking about the technical aspects of any of the music in this, I just can't, but it's, I feel like that genre and that era of music, you have to be a skilled musician and composer and stuff to succeed at even like hair metal. But, um, yeah, this movie doesn't work if the the soundtrack isn't believable even though the songs are so silly like they're still really good, and I uh, I could believe that like Big Bottom is a song that's written by like a yeah a metal band. Or,
0: Absolutely, I yeah. mean we still are singing Fat Bottom Girls, and uh-huh. we're still you know yeah. There's a song um, in the I I know I keep talking about Popstar, and I'm sorry, but it actually actually there is this parallel of there's a song that's kind of it's not a romantic song at all, but it's like it's a little bit of a slower like rap beat and it's called fuck bin laden Uh and it's like and and he says like i would i want to fuck you like we fucked like america fucked bin laden Uh and you're just like this is first you go this is hilarious like this is outrageous and insane then the second time you see it you're like this is actually a really good song Uh and then the third time around you're like i'm actually humming like fuck bin laden yeah just like what is happening? <laughs> but it's the same with
1: Big Bottom and it's the same with like, yeah, you like know, Stonehenge. Exactly. The first song that opens the movie. I like, I never like comprehended the lyrics of that opening song until I'd seen this movie a bunch of times. But that opening song is insane. Do you like, have you, do you listened or have I, you listened to the lyrics I, at I, all? Where like, it's like, <laughs> I just rewatched it
0: like two days ago, but, and I can, now we're gonna, what? yeah, tonight
1: I'm gonna rock it. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, there's a line where he's like, you're only, Four feet tall and you've still got your baby teeth. But you singing to a little kid, and i he's like, and I'm too well hung such. Not. It's about it is like the nastiest oh jailbait song ever that I just never picked up on until a few watches. And but that's such a subgenre of rock songs. And this movie's doing such a funny job of pointing out how gross yes. those songs by just making it nasty. Yes. Yeah, someone's that's, got their baby teeth. That's a really good point. Yeah. I actually have never,
0: I mean, I have certainly like I could hum the song. Mm-hmm. And I could, like, I recognize the song. Yeah. Uh,
1: but I... Because there's I, so much stuff going on during that song. Because you're getting, like, the interviews with people. And they're unloading the fans. And, I like, there's so much. I think that's probably why I wasn't yeah yeah, yeah to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. But um, that's really funny. Yeah. Yeah,
0: these guys are just, like... Um, yeah, the music is incredible and the the pacing, like it moves, which is so important Yeah, I think a lot of times stuff like this could easily be a great sketch, but to make it an actual feature length and sus- mm-hmm. sustain it is a challenge. Yeah,
1: especially when there's such characters like these guys are. It's why pretty infamously, I mean, the, the SNL movies that are great are great. Yeah. Um, I think Wayne's World would be a good double feature with this, but totally. um, the ones that are bad are very bad. And it's because, yeah, they have that syndrome of like, this is a sketch, but it's an hour and a half. And it is nice that this movie's only 80 minutes, which I don't know if a comedy needs to be longer (laughs) than that.
0: I mean, that's the truth. Like, you know, get in and
1: get out. There's so, I mean, you know, all the Jada Apatow comedies are, those are clocking in at like two and a half. <laughs> That's <Those laughs> crazy. Long. And like, those, are like, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: well, I also want to talk about the Rob Reiner of it all. Oh, yeah. Uh, we just had, or I just had um uh, Michael Verratti, who's a screenwriter on uh, the show, and he picked When Harry Met Sally.
1: I saw that was one yeah. of your, I was like, oh, we were doing like another Rob yeah, Reiner no, right after. It's
0: great because I think that. His body of work is just so, it's eclectic, but it has a lot in common with one another in Mm -hmm. a way. Um, And I think that sort of where we landed on Rob Reiner was like all of his iconic, I would argue all of his iconic movies well, not all, but a lot of the comedies that are iconic, the kind of love is the through line for mm-hmm. all the you know, different kinds Yeah, of no,
1: love, Spinal Tap's right? a love story. Yeah. I was thinking that while I was watching it. Every time I'm like, this is kind of a rom-com in a weird way, but it's friend, you know, it, it's, it's friend love. It's bro love. And I, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I think we, I think that's worth like, you know, picking apart a little bit because It's um, well, and also we have the clearly the references to like, you know, John Lennon and Mm -hmm. Paul McCartney and all this stuff. But uh, but yeah, I think that the consistent love story is definitely between these guys.
1: Yeah. And it's weird because that storyline wouldn't have existed. Uh, I I was reading today. I didn't know this. The uh, the girlfriend. uh, Was it Janine? I think. Yeah. yeah. So Janine, they wrote in because the studio was like. This is not going to have a plot if it's you guys just, you know, which is fair because she does kind of, when she comes into the picture, she provides such a through line to the end of that movie. And then you don't get the really great relationship between, like, emphasized between the two of them without her. You get those really sweet scenes earlier where they're talking about being little kids and playing songs together. And they're both, like, trying to improv a song at the same time, which is great. That, like, sitting on the railroad, like, what. But then, yeah, it's that the whole like ending where they realize they're, they're a hit in Japan and they he comes back on stage. And it's like you don't have that emotional moment without this other character having to be added because they realize we, this movie doesn't have much of a skeleton. Right. Yeah. There's no conflict anyway. Yeah. I,
0: I like I did. The Janine character is not one of my favorites, but I see. I was going to. Yeah.
1: I was literally just going to ask you how you felt about that character, because I'm I'm so weird now that I'm older of her one being the only major woman in the movie and also being the character that we often see where she's the trope of the woman who gets in the way and the woman who, you know, is she's taking my best friend away and it's that, classic so I'm wondering how because I was I was really examining my feelings on that today so I'm so curious yeah
0: I mean I definitely struggle with her character she's sort of where I check out of the movie okay um and meaning like I I love but you know what to be honest with you I love the beginning of Rob Reiner's movies like so much and then a lot of times when we get to the third act I'm kind of like I feel like they lose momentum in a way Mm -hmm. I don't know now granted that said like I think that is the child in me. Like, because the the snappy, fun, like poppy Mm -hmm. stuff happens. The adventure in his movies often happens up front. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whether it's Princess Bride, or whether it's um, When Harry Met Sally, or whether it's Spinal Tap. And, and many others. And so, uh, so, but when she comes in, it's like, yeah, you, you're so attached to Nigel and Michael McKean. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's really hard to have this character. It's hard to not like, it's hard to like her, you know?
1: Oh yeah. She definitely. And yeah, again, that's why I kind of was, was curious about your thoughts on it as someone who is really conscious of, of female representation in film is like is it weird or is it difficult to be a fan of this movie and find that character fun because she kind of is the joyless woman who comes in and ruins yes. stuff I have like I, I don't have one opinion on her I have like many opinions on it because yeah that—that that is one of them that I'm like it's a bummer we have that trope but at the same time she's just another tick off the you know off the checklist of classic rock tropes she's the woman who comes in and ruins like that's yeah like you said Yoko I I think of Yoko instantly and there's plenty of instances of that of uh you know that's like a trope in rock music I think it makes sense for her to be there and also she is the fodder for some of my favorite scenes with all of her like weird little her drawings of the Zodiac costumes where he (laughs) Something that makes me laugh so hard is when he's going through the pile, and uh, David's like, "Oh, and here's here's the Ken. I would love to be the Ken." And it's this crazy. He's got it's the crab, and he's got these big eyes. (laughs) And Harry Shearer is just so, like, oh, wow. Just as he is. He's lukewarm water the whole movie. Yeah. Just very tepidly excited everything. <laughs> and her mispronouncing Dolby is always very funny. Yes. Dolbly.
0: Well, she, I mean, you know, the, I think the actress actually is doing a hell of a job. She's
1: carrying a lot of, I think she, yeah, underrated, like, she's carrying a lot of stuff in that movie, and yes. maybe you don't even realize it. I think you don't, because I think
0: that the movie lulls you into, the sort of like bro fantasy and the fun of the bro fantasy Mm -hmm. and she comes in and throws cold water on that Mm -hmm. but you're right like in addition to the Yoko you know analogy like there's all those behind the music Um, Mm -hmm. hair metal bands or like classic rock bands. There's always a woman that got in the way, tore up the band. Mm -hmm. And I think now if this movie were made today with like a similar premise, because pop star doesn't really have like a female, like Imogen Poots is in it for like two seconds, but that's more actually of a commentary on um, celebrity culture Uh and like who wants to pair up with who to be more famous and staging like engagements. Sure, yeah, yeah. So it's more about that than actually like a, and super Official relationships, kind of like the Kim Card, like the Kardashians. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that said, uh, she, um, uh, I, I, I think that if this movie were made now, she would represent that character. Janine would represent more of like showing the audience that these guys are man children.
1: I think so. I think she would maybe start as a villain and then maybe our expectations of her are a little subverted. Like she, she's like, no, you guys, it's, 1982 and you're still playing like it's 70 or you know, something like she would, she would, um, yeah, I, I agree. I don't know exactly what that role would be, but I think we, she would be a, a more subversive character. Yes. But yeah, that's I interesting. Mean, I think so too. Do you have a favorite line? Oh man. I mean, so it's hard. so hard. It's so, or favorite scene. I think the th- a thing that kills me every single time is, uh, oh man, there's so many. I'm just like, huh this whole movie is funny there's not a wasted line in it but when they're talking when it's after they do Stonehenge um and <laughs> I think it's Nigel is like oh we don't have to go make a big thing out of it or it might be the manager who's like we don't have to make it into a big thing and then Harry Shearer is just very quietly is like well perhaps we should made a, have made a big thing of it and <laughs> just It's just like so Harry Shearer is so great in this when he's looking at the the album cover and it's just black and he's like, you can you can see yourself in both sides and his eyes just get all wide. I think it's the more because I think maybe a problem sometimes with comedies that are so culturally ingrained is that the stuff that we are so familiar with and is quoted all the time is not the funny stuff anymore, even though it's still like going up to 11 makes me laugh every time because the delivery of it is so pitch perfect and that like hard edit after is great. But... It's like how I feel watching um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's the weird little things that make me laugh so hard because everything else I'm so familiar with. And I'm like, all right, African-Europeans. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like it's iconic, but, you know, it's quoted to death. And um, so it's little things in this movie that crack me up.
0: Yeah, I just had Riley Silverman on and we talked about Airplane.
1: Oh, yeah, that's...
0: And that was one that I didn't grow up on. Okay. You know, so... but Oh,
1: how was that then, watching it? It
0: actually was fun. Okay. Like, a lot of it is still funny because it's so smart. Yeah. A lot of it is... I mean, some of it is very dated, obviously. Um, But, like, for instance, I don't think Animal House has aged well at all.
1: I I have never seen Animal House. And it's one where... I don't have an interest in watching it, even though Tom Hulse is in it. I was speaking about my Right, right, right. But um, I just know I'll be mad at it the whole time. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, honestly, like, in my in my humble opinion, I watched it because, you know, I'm like, okay, I have to watch this. It's an yep. iconic classic yeah, yeah. comedy. And then I did, and I was like, this is not, I don't think, it, I don't, this does not age well, right? Yeah. So that said, though, um airplane i think really does age well yeah because it is so clever uh but that said we were having the same discussion of like everybody quotes Shirley, you can't be yeah. serious or everybody quotes like these certain lines but for me the standout was um i can't even remember what his character name was but he's the guy who like is so flamboyant oh
1: it's uh uh not leon because he's He's talking yeah, about the guy who's like, like, Leon's getting yes. large. And, I, yeah, that I, guy. Think it's,
0: I think his name is like John yeah. or something like that. But he, or Frank, but no, it can't be Frank. But anyway, the point is like, he was the funniest part to me. He like
1: plugs that thing back in and he's <laughs> looking at the camera. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's he's, that type yeah. of stuff.
0: But you can't, that stuff doesn't make it into like the quote uh-huh, montages, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I could totally see. Yeah. Uh, oh, I will say one that I think it's not quoted as often as some of the other things, but uh, something that I I think is so great every time is when their manager is trying to explain to them why the the Glove album cover is not okay and not, and he's like, no, you have a naked lady on all fours and you're shoving a glove in her face. And they're like, yeah, but look, at this other guy's album has, it's all these naked ladies and they have him tied down. And And he's like, yeah, but in that one, he's the victim. And they're just, oh, okay, slowly understanding. And then I think it's, Nigel says, there's such a fine line between stupid and clever. Yes. <laughs> that makes me laugh every single time. It's such- I think that's why, as part of why this movie ages so well, too, is it has scenes like that that feel a bit more con- like oh, they're, they're contemporary. Like it, it's, it's so aware of itself, and there are jokes about. Yeah. Like the album covers of the time being sexist and it's not a mean movie. I think a lot of 80s comedy is very cruel. And this movie is very aware and has those moments where I think you kind of see the people making that movie and you kind of get an understanding of their worldview and they have these characters who I you you love Ellie, I think they're such good dudes at heart. And I think especially like, you know, David is such a sweet David St. is a yes. sweet boy. And they just are so dumb and they're just trying to understand why. Like, okay, yeah, maybe that's not an okay album cover to have. They're just like they're just so stupid and they don't understand.
0: <laughs> it's but I think you're I think you're spot on actually because I think that if you have Rob Reiner sort of steering the ship, Rob Reiner, you know, obviously comedy, you know, comes from comedy legend, right? Mm-hmm. But also cuts his teeth on all in the family, which is a very socially aware mm-hmm. kind of show. And he is a grows up as a very socially aware person. And granted, things have changed since the sixties, seventies, eighties, of course, but I do think that the leadership and setting that tone about the type of comedy and like the points that they are going to make yeah. is, is is noticeable in something like Spinal Tap versus, let's say, Animal House. Yes. Right? Because I think Rob Reiner's worldview and the guys who he's working with, obviously, mm-hmm. is a little bit more, you know, it's not mean-spirited. Yeah,
1: I think Spinal Tap is the perfect excuse if you're making a, a mockumentary about a metal band in the 80s if you're a, a creeper directing Spinal Tap, this is a perfect excuse to get a ton of naked chicks to right. come and hang out on set, and you've got all your groupies, and there's boobs all over this movie. But that's not anywhere near this. But you, you still get the vibe that it's in their their sphere. Like you know that that's what their their aesthetic is. But you don't. It's like it, it's it's implied, but we don't need to see it and have it be super explicit. Right. Yeah, which I think is a big selling point to me for this movie even though it is a very like masculine it's all like it's a very dude heavy cast right but it doesn't feel um I don't feel like I'm watching a movie where I'm not supposed to be watching it this doesn't feel like a boys club movie whereas something like Animal House I don't even have an interest in seeking it out because I'm like, this isn't made for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I would want to watch it. No, I
0: think you're right. And mm-hmm. I think that good comedy, like um, I think I really do think that good comedy that stands the test of time is as inclusive as it can be for the time.
1: Yeah. You know? And I think too, it's, it's, it's something like Spinal Tap. It's the world you're portraying. If you want it to feel real, like this definitely does, you're not going to have cast wise, I don't think it's going to be super inclusive. I think it's worldview can be very progressive. Yeah. But I think to like really pull off with this movie is it's a bunch of it's a band of like white British dudes. And you've got this like, crew of managers who are like stodgy British dudes too, who are Yeah, and that every once in a while a woman pops in like Angelica Houston, right? And is like, you guys wrote inches instead of feet. Like and you, I think it's funny that every once a woman like pops in and is like, "What is happening yeah, I here?" You guys are all morons. This is what happens when we
0: let this happen. Yes, yeah, it's so true. Uh huh. I um I know that the guys in Spinal Tap t- did a couple has I've d- done live shows mm-hmm. before, and this year is the thirty fifth anniversary. Oh man,
1: I wonder. I, I don't know if they've announced anything or not, but I would love to go see them. I bet those would be expensive tickets, uh, <laughs> especially I here. They, yeah,
0: probably. But you know, I think that, uh, I think that is it's entirely possible. Although I can't remember, I can't remember if Harry Shear still gets along with those guys or not oh shit because I, I hope so I, well, I, know, <laughs> I know that he had kind of famously had some falling out with um, with like former cast members or like a group
1: I know there was a lawsuit I again I was just reading the Wikipedia today but it was a a studio thing. And I think all of the like the creative side of it was all on the same. Yeah. But I, so I don't know if there was anything else. I don't think that it affected Spinal
0: Tap. I think it was like maybe SNL or. Was or, it The Simpsons maybe? Maybe. You yeah, know what? I yeah. might have been The
1: Simpsons. Yeah. I mean. You've that's, been,
0: that's what it is. You've
1: been doing that show for that long. I'm surprised there's not a giant falling out. 10 years fair. ago, <laughs>
0: totally fair. And yeah. he he talks about it on uh WTF with Mark Marin, mm-hmm. but I haven't listened to that episode in years. Mm-hmm. So, um if anybody listening is curious, like that's uh that's definitely something worth listening yeah. to. Oh. So, before we move on, uh is there anything else about spinal tap that we haven't said that you want to talk about? Um,
1: I can't think of anything. Like I feel like we I've I've just gushed about it plenty. It's, it's great, <laughs> and it's
0: totally worth watching. Yeah, and I'm
1: curious to know how people, like, because you, were you a classic rock fan, like, growing um, up, or how? I love Queen. Okay, um, yeah. But
0: not so much on, like, uh, the other, like, uh, the other bands. I okay, mean, my dad would play, like, I would be listening to it in the car with him. Yeah, okay. But But Queen was the one that actually resonated Sure, with me. yeah. Sure, um, yeah.
1: Oh, Queen was my favorite. Yeah. Um, Weird time to be a Queen fan right now, but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I was curious, um, I like right before I left, I was talking to my boyfriend about how we both love spinal tap and all the people I knew growing up who loved it We're also the kids in high school who like classic rock is the best music. Like I had cl- all these classic rock shirts. I was like such a nerd for that whole like era of music. And um, so I, I was curious to hear, yeah, what your experience with it was as someone who like, wasn't necessarily a huge fan of like, you know, cause it's so, it's so a specific reference. Like we said earlier too. Yeah, but
0: yeah, it is. But I think also like, I think this movie works on two levels because as music is popular, or like a gen, like a decade goes by, and and the musical styles are defined, you can't help but notice them. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not like taking a deep dive mm-hmm. into, you know, Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or whatever, you still are aware, mm-hmm. and or Aerosmith or you know, yeah. pick a one. Um, and so I think that. This type of stuff, like you see these guys, you know exactly who they are. Sure, yeah, you know?
1: that that imagery is so. Cause yeah, that was like the dominant music culture for so long that we still, you know, now yeah. like yeah, you 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 know what that is, even if you exactly. Yeah, and okay. I
0: think, but then I think you get the the second layer, the third layers of jokes that are f- specifically probably for classic rock fans. Yeah, you know I what think I mean.
1: That's why it's so so big among yeah yeah. and i will say one last thing i think the scene with the tiny bread is one of the funniest oh my
0: god he's like i've
1: spent 20 minutes with this and i can't
0: The the time count was very like oh my god. (laughs) It's like I mean it's so it's well and it's also just such like a a great um, tantrum moment. I know because they're
1: just again they're such like dumb boys and I love they're so simple and (laughs) (laughs) but then also they're like secretly geniuses like Nigel's playing that piano piece that's gorgeous and I. Yeah. Also, weirdly, that reminds me of Amadeus. Like you have these he's like a man baby, but then musical genius. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, and that's that's like the thing that we're always, I think, going to be grappling with is like that's probably why all these rock stars get into so much trouble is because they're. They're good, music, they're good you know, at one thing. Exactly. They're <laughs> good at one thing and maybe not other mm-hmm. things. Um, well, I loved your tease a little earlier about, Oh man uh, what movie you're going to add and <sighs> it being your favorite movie. Yes. So I can't wait to hear it. What so is
1: it? So I picked, it was the, the list was like a hundred, was it a hundred years, a hundred laughs? They're yes. all titled like that. Um, my favorite movie ever of all time is peewee's big adventure okay okay yeah. yes. i am i feel that deserves a place on that list it is such a uh, like it, it reminds a little bit of, of spinal tap and that it's an 80s comedy that is not mean there's nothing cruel about peewee's big adventure and it, it ages so well because of that yeah and there's just... I think maybe it also has, like, the weird man-baby thing going. I think I, comedies with man-children are, for some reason, the funniest thing to me. Where do you stand on Anchorman? I love Anchorman. I love Anchorman. I love, Anchorman. I, love Anchorman. I love Step Brothers. I love any movie where the main character is, like, a little kid trapped in an adult man body. Sure. I instantly think is the funniest thing. Um, like... Even like Dr. Steve Brule, like check it out. It's like my favorite thing. He's been telling me about this, <laughs> oh and I have to watch it. Like again, that's, a, that's another thing where I'm like, I don't recommend it lightly because it's crazy, but it is. John C. Riley on that is just so I've got to watch committed the show. to like, that character.
0: Everyone is telling me how great yeah. it is. I have to watch it. But um, Pee-Wee's Big Adventure. So actually, here's a question for you. Was Tim Burton a gateway for you into horror and genre, or was it sort of, or, or not?
1: I don't know, because Tim Burton is so borderline. Like, yeah, he, he has a horror aesthetic, but... I don't know if I would call him a gateway to horror because I almost feel like he's his own weird genre. Like, absolutely, he's almost like fantasy instead of horror.
0: He was my as a little kid. Sure. Like, uh, who was scared. I was like a scared kid. Yeah.
1: So he I was, was too. Yeah.
0: So he was my gateway into like, I like, I like scary stuff, but I'm not. Cool to watch real scary stuff. Yeah, but this like Beetlejuice and Pee Wee. Okay, yeah, like, yeah. They
1: scratch that itch a little bit. I did. Yeah, I I was talking about Pee Wee on and epi- we did a we did like a childhood fears episode where people oh, emailed God, yes. us with like things that aren't supposed to be scary but they are and I, so many emails at Large March. Large March, she was. Yeah, yeah, so I I I talked a little bit about this in our episode, but yeah, Pee Wee's Big Adventure was totally a movie where. Stuff in that movie scared me so much, like Large Marge and the animatronic clown in the parking lot when he gets his bike stolen. It's like laughing at him and all of his weird dreams he has were so scary to me. But I loved that movie so much that I was able to kind of rewatch that movie over and over again and get that. This isn't meant to be true. Like, it's funny. There's like behind the shock of it. There's a really twisted sense of humor to those moments and they're supposed to be campy and silly and it's not like it's not there to traumatize you it's there to be silly and yeah, so I think that that was a movie for sure where at a young age I realized okay I can have fun being scared you know and yes. it's not yeah it's not like something to run away you know if you embrace it it's a really fun time but yeah large margins <laughs> she's yeah. she comes out of nowhere <laughs> she really does
0: she scared so many people yeah
1: I love I didn't know she was done by the Kyoto brothers who did killer clowns from outer space oh, so that makes sense yeah, yeah they're the that. nicest people we love all the, the killer clowns family we like are very close with oh. Or we just we got to know them through like conventions and stuff but it was so fun getting to know them and being like you gave me like you scare you trauma like I'm sure they hear all the time from people our age that they are <laughs> they scared a whole generation of kids I'm sure they love it
0: <laughs> yeah I rewatched Pee Wee's Big Adventure for at a birthday party last year and um I was so struck by how weird and expensive it looked yeah you know what I'm saying and yeah. like how and I, I did like I started looking up you know okay what had paul like where had peewee been on tv Nowhere. yet
1: that's the thing it is the craziest thing when you realize because i so i i my boyfriend watched it with me a few years ago he he'd either never seen it or like he saw it as a kid and didn't remember any of it and he was like oh so like this was after peewee's playoffs i'm like no dude he was a groundlings character yes. that they just made into a movie and people were like what is this. Yes, that would never happen though. No. I mean, it's
0: like the 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 idea that this care this movie came out of nowhere.
1: Yes, like Tim Burton is a random dude too, and it's just like. It, it just became such a thing that blows my mind. Yeah. It doesn't make any logical sense. I
0: would be very curious to know. Like why did any studio give Absolutely. this money? Like yeah. ha, who, who, who made this happen? Yeah. Um, and who saw the groundlings get, because for people who maybe don't know the groundlings is a um, improv and sketch comedy group here at, in Los Angeles and they're very famous a lot of people you've seen on SNL have gone on to be um, or have come from the groundlings but these are sketches this mm-hmm. is not long form anything yeah. so like who watched Paul Rubens play this character? Maybe in many different sketches.
1: I think that well, because there was a Pee Wee stage show that you can still watch, and that's from before the movie, okay. and that so that was a longer thing. But even that, you watch it, and I, it still kind of blows my mind that someone was like, "Yeah, let's make this into a movie," because the original stage show is raunchy; it's not for kids. Interesting, which is very like he is a um because he's still like the it's still peewee but he is like super pervy and really like it's it is a stage show for adults um but then they they took that character and made it into what he is for the movie which is so not that he's like right. repulsed by by women in this. and there's not like that that layer to him there's like not that like sexual yeah. creepiness—that's going on. I
0: watched um, Pee Wee's Playhouse so much as a I kid. I did too. Like yeah. the show, I—I I had watched the movie a couple of times, but I never loved the movie as a kid. Mm-hmm. But the show, I loved, I loved and the I had show. all the VHS and I did toys too. And did she
1: have the VHS set where, like, when you put them all in the box, it like made the picture on oh, the sign? Oh, that's actually a good question. That's the set I had growing. I up. I don't
0: know if I even—if I did, I don't even know if I knew that. It <laughs> did that. Uh, but I—I I remember. My, I had a babysitter who I've talked about on this show so many times but she she in a lot of ways was my gatekeeper into all the like 80s fantasy mm, mm-hmm. you know like um, Labyrinth and oh, Neverending okay. Story and that kind of stuff and she was the one who introduced me to Pee Wee and um oh my God, I just loved him so much. And yeah. she she was an incredible visual artist. And so she drew me like an award I would get to put on the fridge if I like finished all my dinner or whatever. But it was Pee Wee who
1: was like, Oh, up, that's so and, cute. Yeah, it was oh, very, man. very sweet. Yeah, I, I love meeting other people who were like, obsessed with that show as a kid because yeah that hits such a sweet spot for me just there's something about the humor on that that is still like watching it now is so funny I mean you have Phil Hartman showing up every once in a while it's great it's yeah. so great I was like just the other day referencing an episode where he they make fruit salad for the snack and he's like I love I love it and someone's like well if you love it so much why don't you marry it but then he marries the fruit salad they have a little wedding at the <laughs> It's so, like that's the best.
0: It's I love so it. It's sweet. It is sweet. Yeah. There is something to be said for the sweetness. Did you watch the new special that he did that was on HBO? The
1: uh Oh not this. I watched the movie with Joe Manganiello, The like oh new it, movie he did. Was
0: it a movie?
1: Yeah. I thought it was like a stage show, didn't he had the I know he did like a re like he was on Broadway for a little bit. There was, was like a Netflix. new Pee-Wee show. I don't know if they filmed it though, but if they did, I want to go watch it. I'm
0: ninety nine percent sure. <clears throat> Excuse me, that it is on. That it, it was. I think he did. He did something for Netflix, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the Joe Manganiello thing was okay. for Netflix. But
0: I felt like I thought he did on HBO. I, I wouldn't be surprised. He
1: might have, and I just
0: missed it. Maybe I'm getting the networks confused. But there was a new thing that he did, and I thought it was on stage. Um, that they just taped or shot. That-
1: I know for sure he had a new stage show that okay. was like Pee Wee and all them.
0: Yeah. Well, it might be out there. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't watch it. I don't. I'm so disconnected from like you know.
1: My- I'm. Mean, it's. It's. I, and I think it's so funny talking to another movie person about this. I wish like as movie fans in general, it's such a weird thing about film fan culture. I wish we could all be more open about like stuff we haven't seen. Yeah. You can't see everything. It's impossible. There's millions of hours of stuff. Like. I, I think that's why I do like that. Yeah, the, I listened to an episode of your podcast where you both did something you hadn't seen before. Yeah. And it's a movie where, like, yeah, Amadeus is, like, a classic. And it's I think it's cool to... There's so many classics I haven't seen. Like, it's, everyone's got at least one big one that they oh, haven't yeah. seen because it's not possible to watch them all. Oh,
0: girl, I will tell you that I most of this show is me being like i've never seen this one um but that's that's the fun part you know is mm-hmm. if, if somebody can guide you through it or if you have you've both seen it or if you haven't both seen it it's oh my god we just did one where We did Seven Year Itch and um, Gray Drake picked that one and neither of us had seen it. Okay, And uh, I don't
1: know if you've ever seen it, but I mean, I I, it's one where I'm like, have I seen it or have I just seen it on TV or have I just seen the sewer or the subway great? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's
0: we hated it. Oh, damn. Yeah. Like
1: both of us. I mean, the title alone is like it's the you want to cheat on your wife, dude.
0: Yeah, I we had some feels. So okay.
1: Not to do an inside the podcast
0: plug, but if you haven't listened to that episode, because I actually had somebody tweet at me and say I wasn't even going to listen to this one, and then I did, and it was hilarious. Okay. And I was like, oh, good, I'm glad you... Because, you know, sometimes people see, like the movie and they're like oh i don't you know I, will, I don't want to listen to that i don't care about that and it's like well it's more about the discussion yeah, yeah, yeah. but anyway yes so so we so i am very uh you haven't seen this friendly here like yeah there's no no judging because yeah. you're right you can't see it you all. can't, yeah. yeah well i am so glad that you came and did this yeah this was so fun this was so fun i oh.
1: mean that's like the dream to like as, as again like a film fan like hey come talk about a movie you love for an hour it's like great yes we'll do it
0: who doesn't want to do that exactly right? well thank you again and uh, and great choices all around yes i, awesome. love, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Alrighty, friends, that's gonna do it for me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Chelsea as much as I did. Uh, She is a lovely lady. She's so smart. And um, don't forget that you can find her not only on social media, but you can find her on the Dead Meat Podcast on YouTube and wherever you find podcasts, much like this one. Um, If you haven't already checked out Patreon, please do. This Thursday, I have a mini coming for uh, $5 monthly contributors and higher. So, uh, you'll check, you want to check that out for sure. Um, more with Chelsea, Rebecca is coming this Thursday. Alrighty friends. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for your support. And I will talk to you soon.